Welcome to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, today we're going to talk about KCP. As in the second part of our of our show, we're going to review KCP's season. And I was thinking about this when I was grabbing a drink before I before I came on here with you. Always glad when that's the preface to what you're about to say. You know, I was grabbing a drink before I came on here with you. It's seven thirty. It's like way past five o'clock. I, you're on the clock, Anthony. <laughs> mm. Technically, makes the show better. But so the uh, <laughs> so I was thinking about this with KCP, and I was just shocked at the fact that we're going to talk about this guy and it's kind of a huge deal that the Lakers bring him back this off season. I never yeah. would have predicted that. <laughs> no, it's definitely a lot different than, uh, you know, when Darius said during the Laker film room podcast about a year ago, like I think Pete asked him, what would you bid on KCP? And he said, a fond farewell. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, now it's like losing him could make or break this. I mean, obviously, this offseason is made by Anthony Davis resigning. Like everything that happens after that is kind <laughs> yeah. of like icing or not icing. Like, but um, it, KCP coming back is pretty important. Yeah, the, the whole AD coming back thing, like it's it's basically a relief, right? Because there's no upside Yeah, it's here. pretty much a foregone conclusion for the most right. part. So, like, right. that's why it doesn't feel as big as it would otherwise. But that's still, like, re-signing yeah. Anthony Davis is still by far the biggest thing that they have to do procedurally this summer. Yeah. Well, and then, and then you know, you'll have more clarity on what their cap situation is going to look like. And, and it'll be kind of telling as far as, like, what they might be looking to do uh, long-term based on, on, on the contracts that they give out. But anywho, we'll talk about that later. We actually have some not – Breaking news or even news per se. Breaking internal memos from the NBA. (laughs) About when uh, the season is going to come back or if it's actually going to. Well, we know it's coming back, but. but One would think at some point, right? Like at some point it will be back, you would think. But they keep passing. They keep pushing back the deadline, which, by the way, like you're an editor. If you keep pushing back a deadline, was it ever really a deadline? Well, so that's the thing. It is technically a deadline that they are mutually agreeing to continue deferring because they are still negotiating. It's kind of like how if you tell, you know, like, let's say someone who is blogging for you, like, hey, I need this story by noon and they get it in by 1215. You're going to be annoyed, but you're not going to like, you know, you're not going to not use the story over it. So like they're still they're having an ongoing negotiation about when to start the season. And that's why they keep deferring this, which is something like that happened on Friday was the deadline. And it and it had seemed for about a day or so that they were going to defer it again, but they've deferred it one week, which mm-hmm. given everything that they were saying that they were discussing and given today's update, I'm not incredibly optimistic that they reach a middle ground in a week, but I don't know if you feel differently. And maybe we should tell people what the update today was. Well, so they're they're still trying to decide between December 22nd and January 18th, I think is the the other date. Or 16th or something like that. Yeah, and, I almost said January 1st, but yeah, it's mi- it's middle of January. January yeah. 1st would be so petty for them to just be like, oh, no, <laughs> we aren't starting on Christmas. We want six days later. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's that's the – and you can kind of understand why players – some players just finished their seasons a matter of a couple weeks ago. Uh, other players, I can also see why they're saying, no, let's let's get going. We haven't played in six months or, or if, if not more in some cases. And – all of them, by the way, 
everybody involved here has a lot to gain or lose based on when they return. And, you know, seeing as they're coming off of a season where the revenue was down 10%, despite a successful bubble run, uh, it, it, it the revenue was down this year. Kind uh, of amazing and, that it's only 10%, though, considering yeah, everything that they that. went through. Like, that, that's astounding that they were able to, like, still make 90% of their Did, prior revenue. And that's and that's by the way not just including COVID, right? That's including the China, the China thing controversy Mori, at the yeah. very beginning of it. So, so a nightmare season. If you if you leave, I mean, honestly, so that's the, a win for the NBA that it's only down ten percent. You know what I mean? So that's, like that's that's compared to their expectations. Like I'm, yeah. I wonder where they where they get that number from. Because I, I believe that I believe down ten percent would imply down ten percent from the prior year. They they were significantly short of what their expectations were. Okay, yeah, because that's that would be pretty. That, I would imagine that number is is a lot higher compared to expectations. I assume, I assume they project growth every year, like exactly. going into it. At least not well, probably not this year, but in a normal year like last year, you project growth, not you know. Yeah. Setbacks. Well, I bet I bet they'll they're they're projecting some growth heading into this next season, just because of what they're coming off of. They're down ten oh, percent. Well, so I don't know. I I think. I think it's still going to be fairly pessimistic because it's it's an entire season without fans, right? Instead of like you know all that, According you're probably going to have, huh? According to Doctor Fauci, he thinks it, that they're... I mean, just the fact that they're rushing for a Jan- for a December date makes me think that they don't expect to have fans, as many have mm-hmm. talked about. Because otherwise, like the talk had been, well, we'll just wait till there's like we're able to get fans in arenas, and I think the NBA must have done some investigating and realized like. Oh yeah, that's not going to happen for like two years. Like, or they just took a look at the news and were like, "Yeah, that's probably not going to happen for a while, where we can have a bunch of people indoors safely." Um, so right. I think they are counting out. I think they themselves are counting out fan revenue, like regardless of what Fauci is saying. Yeah. So, and that's why Adam Silver said today, in apparently in a leaked memo, that like they're running out of time to get the season start, like to actually have it start that week of Christmas. I think they wanted to start three days before Christmas so that like uh, either ESPN or TNT could have some games and then vice versa for the day. Um, so, and like that, that itself was worth 500 million to them both this season and going forward, which is kind of crazy. But like, I mean, it's also like if you think about, the value going forward as well, like of retaining Christmas as an NBA day, like mm-hmm. that probably does factor in some extra money and revenue and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, it just seems to me like I can, I don't really necessarily believe that all of the players are so opposed to the Christmas start. I think that they are trying to generate leverage to get more of like their money, like less of their money put into escrow for if the NBA has losses where they lose out on paychecks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're creating the start date as a fight point so that they can like say, all right, well, all right, give us this amount of escrow and we'll start on Christmas. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's negotiations on both sides of it, right? Because they might be saying, you know, and st- we, they might be more open to starting on Christmas, right? And they're saying uh, January or December 22nd is the date that they want to start. So that if they give some up, the fa- the players feel like they, they got to win there too. The other thing yeah. that is really important needs to be pointed out here is it's not just that the NBA could potentially lose this Christmas, right? It's not, it's not just this Christmas that they could potentially lose. It's on a Friday. It falls on a Friday this year. You know the NFL is going to try to pounce on that. Yeah, you, for sure. You, you know that if 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 that uh 
if that corner opens up, you know the NFL is going to try to take advantage of that. And and once you lose something to the NFL, you aren't getting it back. Probably like not. <laughs> so if it's not just that this year they might lose out on on Christmas, it's that moving forward it could be a very different Christmas as well. So and also it's like, look, like let me take off my Lakers fedora for a second. I will just finally like, briefly remove this and mm. like. I will say that as unfair as that start would be to the Lakers and the Miami Heat, like, and, you know, to some degree, the Nuggets and uh, the and the Celtics as well, like, and, you know, and going on down the line of the teams that played most recently, like, for the overall health of the league, like, I kind of think that they're just going to have to take an L here and just load manage and the league is going to have to understand that, like, they're going to have to reach some kind of understanding, like, obviously, LeBron has been outspoken about not wanting to play on Christmas, like, I think that is leaked from, like, you know, like, it seems like nine different places at this point to where it's, like, pretty hard to believe that that is not something that he strongly feels um so I that aside like the the Lakers are going to have to go to the NBA and be like look we're gonna have to load manage our guys but and you're gonna have to let us and the Lakers are gonna have to understand like yeah this kind of sucks that we're starting you know our training camp like two months after we just finished our championship run but it is what it is like we got to take one for the team and like the league overall is a team and especially for their fellow future free agents like their fellow you know their like future players members of the union right now like if they don't want to see everyone lose out on money like they're just gonna like there's gonna be a tough season yeah i i think uh because malcolm brogdon i believe is is involved in the players union he's, i think mean, he's a vice president yes and uh and he even when you hear somebody from the players union talking about how you know this is the this would hurt usually usually when when you have some kind of negotiation between the, the players and the governors or owners whatever we want to call them anytime you see that happen Usually the, the, the players union is often because it's their job comically pro player, right? Yeah. Where it's like, we want to be able to rest and then also make the amount of revenue that we were going to make this year anyway. Right. Yeah. But the that's any pl- union, you know, like, right. I mean, that's, that's the job, job of a union. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's what they, that's what they're paid to do. Uh, but still to hear, to hear even him acknowledge, no, if we, if we wait, if we take an extra month to come back, we have to understand that that revenue hit is it could be pretty big. Uh, and, and you know, to hear even him talking about that and to hear the players union even talking about that, that makes me feel like the I, I think they start closer to Christmas. They, they agree with the math. You mean? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. You can't, you can't disagree with the math. It's yeah. It's impossible. I mean, well, they could, they could disagree with the NBA's projections over the exact number that they'd lose. Mm-hmm. But like, what I think that that's, I don't think that that's reflective of a union giving up. I think that is reflective of a union that feels mostly outside of maybe one certain star player and a yeah. couple teams that mm-hmm. hey, we need to go back and we don't want to lose this revenue either. I don't think that that's an anti-player thing. I think that that's also a pro-player yeah. and getting money thing. Like because I mean, in the end, like. Like, you know, that this is their job. Like, they got to tr- go out there and try and make the most money possible in a very, like, finite span of time uh, that, mm-hmm. like, their careers last. I think, it, it, you know, it's not really my place here to predict or anything like that. I don't have enough money or, or not, mon- not money. I don't have enough sources to I, – I, money is like a Freudian slip. I never have enough money. But <laughs> um, but the, the I, I think we, we 
wind up seeing a season start closer to the Christmas date. There's just too many players who are lining up on that side of the, of the equation as well. Like it, it's not, it's not just that, you know, cause in normal, in normal negotiations between governors and players, you tend to see the governors more unified anyway, because there's fewer of them. Yeah. There's fewer, there's less, comp- and there's less like, you know, they aren't at different spots in their ownership tenure. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? For the most right. part, like most of them are kind of have the same concerns yeah, about something versus players like, you know, a star like LeBron and their wants and needs are very different from a mm-hmm. Malcolm Brogdon or, you know, Especially like player year. even smaller, further down on the totem pole. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I was going to say, you could say Alex Caruso and then Malcolm Brogdon in terms of <laughs> lower down the totem pole, but but yeah, that's what's kind of interesting here is that it's even the the player side of this debate or, or this negotiation is even more fractured than usual because yeah. you have so many guys who aren't coming off of a season that just went. I mean, there there were 28 other teams that didn't play a, a, as long a season as the Lakers did. And like 26 that like didn't play as long as the conference finalists. And there's like, you know, there's eight teams full of guys that didn't go right. to the bubble at all. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so you know you you're looking at a very fractured uh, player side of the negotiation here, and and I think that you know the 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 owners what they have to do is take advantage of this without making it feel like they're taking advantage of the players. You know that's that's, yeah, that's basically mean, they, they the, clearly, the sell job that they have yeah, to be able they, to do. That everyone's going to have to work together, but you know, like honestly, after listening to your points, like I feel a little bit more optimistic. But just it's just the fact that like the like the cap, you know, negotiation still isn't done. How much that's yeah. going to be worth, and like you know, that it seems like there's still at least a decent faction of players that don't want to start you know, the week of Christmas. That makes mm-hmm. me like, are they really going to resolve this within a week? I mean, we'll see, but you know. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of stuff that they have to do, but it's also their only focus right now. Yeah, right? like they it, it seems like it sounds like it's a lot that they have to they have to figure out, but it's the only thing that they have going on. So they just got to figure it out. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick second here. When we come back, we're going to review KCP season. And I return again back to the fact that. This is a guy <laughs> that Lakers fans really, really, really won't need. And that the Lakers. He was getting booed during the first week of the season. Need. Yeah. I mean, he missed his first like nine attempts, right? And and his yeah. first his first make on the year was a goaltend. So the ball still didn't go through the hoop. And yeah, you're right. You, you know, he was he was getting uh you know, Contavious Caldwell booed, booped, booped. I don't know where I was going with that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't I was like, what is he gonna rhyme here? But yeah, yeah. that was awful. That they were telling him Contavious Caldwell, nope, get him out of the game. Yeah. I'm trying to think. That's what the rim I, was saying to him. My brain literally just like stopped. Yeah. I, I genuinely <laughs> have no idea where you were going with that. Yeah. It's wild that like, it's wild that we went from like, you know, maybe this guy shouldn't be on the team. And like, I don't think you and I, either, either of us ever went that far, but mm-hmm. that there was a pendulum of people who did feel that way to the point where it feels like we've all kind of universally arrived at now of the Lakers need to pay to keep this guy. Like now how much that's a different discussion, but like, you know, the Lakers, he, I think is worth more as I was thinking about this today. The thing that I kept coming back to is He's worth more to the Lakers than he is to any other team. But hold on, before we get to free agency, we should talk about the rest of that season. I apologize. 
No, I <clears throat> I agree with you, but I, I think that's that lays the foundation for the season that he had, right? Because I, I don't think he has the season that he had this year for very many teams other than the Lakers, right? I think that's like, absolutely true. It's just on-court fit, like comfortability, all of that stuff. Like yeah. you, figuring out a, the right role for him, yeah. And, and you know, the, 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 the other thing that's pretty insane to consider is that he played good chunks of this year out of position. So... Not only not only did he have a unique season given the situation he was playing in, right, where you get the benefit of the open jumpers created by Anthony Davis and LeBron James being on your on your roster, but he's also being asked to do that while doing things that he normally doesn't do. And he had a finals game where he had five assists and and like five. They weren't like just hit ahead kind of passes that five assists for KCP is like that's like 20 for LeBron. Yeah, I and 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 they were legit. Like there were some yeah. really good passes thrown there by him. So he showed some stuff that I don't think anybody, maybe even including Contavious Caldwell Pope, didn't think that he had in his arsenal. And and you know when the Lakers played without Avery Bradley in the in the bubble, they they kind of sort of didn't really miss a beat. They, was, they looked like they didn't miss him at all. Yeah, and and I think that's in large part because of how good. KCP was by the time the season ended, if if he was open and he missed the jumper, I was surprised that he missed the jumper. And then I was yeah, he was the Laker surprised. that you were most confident in going yeah. up with one of those shots for sure. And then I, I was further surprised because that thought crossed my mind. Like it's not <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't just a like oh man I can't believe he missed that. Oh my god I can't believe I can't believe he missed that. You know and and that's the that's where we find ourselves here with KCP and and I kind of think. That's why I don't think he'll give them a discount. Like I don't think, I don't think KCP is is the kind of player who's going to be looking to give out very many discounts. But he has made thirty. Well, if he had finished this contract right, he would he will have made up, upwards of thirty million dollars as a as a Laker, uh, which is More. pretty damn yeah yeah pretty damn bananas. Uh, given given you know what he they gave him done eighteen million just that first year. Yeah, remember they had to waive David Nwaba because they wanted to give KCP like six hundred extra grand. Like an, yeah, like an extra mil. Like <laughs> Nwaba's like, what? What the hell just happened? I think they had uh, to waive him during a summer league game, if I remember correctly, or it was the day of one. Yeah, it was a very well, bizarre I, situation. I know, I know, we were there, and I was pumped. Be, yeah, I remember, I remember recording the the KCP podcast while we were out there. Yeah. in Vegas, and we were all stoked that the Lakers got this guy because. You know, he does, he is a very, you know, perfect modern NBA role player, right? Where he's a, he's a three and D guy that you can basically plug. Uh, now you, you, we've learned that you can plug him at both spots, the one and the two, depending on how good your wing is, depending on how, how yeah, I mean, you need, uh, creative. you need like a wing that can like create right. like LeBron. I, I think to your point about that though, this is something that I wanted to say, like so much of the, you know, the conversation about KCP is how he benefits from LeBron and Anthony Davis. And he absolutely does. Like, yeah. I, I don't want that to get lost. Like, everyone who plays with those guys benefits from it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like... Shit, and, you and, and I benefit from covering Anthony Davis. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is not... <laughs> like, but 
this is not to say that Anthony Davis and LeBron benefit equally from KCP, but they do benefit like from a guy like that, that hustles in transition, mm-hmm. put that puts pressure on the defense that tires out the defense that's willing to like take on a better wing assignment. So those guys don't necessarily have to take it. That is like able to space the floor and make their jobs a little bit easier, or at least punish teams when they don't make it easy on LeBron and AD. And mm-hmm. like, that is a benefit. Like he is, I, I, I continually this year, like basically called him like LeBron's remora fish. Like he's uh, LeBron's the great white shark, but KCP's following along, like cleaning things up and, you know, not getting attacked for that reason. So I, I think like it, it, he was really, really valuable for them this year, just a- as a guy who you could always count on or almost always. He, he has one play a game where he hallucinates that he's LeBron <laughs> and you never know when it's going to come. Like, but uh, like he outside of that is a guy that pretty much knows his role to a T. There's just like one moment every single game where it's like, what are you doing, dude? But <laughs> aside from that, you know, like he's a really solid fit that knows his role for this team. Well, it makes it fun to root for a KCP team, right? Because that, that one play, I mean, the, the, the one sometimes play, it works out. Yeah. Right? It's like I was just going to say the play, play in the yeah. final, he had like, he had, he drove to the basket drove like through the defense and as he takes off you're like what the <laughs> what is going on and then he finishes at the rim and you're like okay we found 20 bucks on the ground yeah and i believe at one point earlier in the playoffs he missed a dunk if i'm remembering correctly that i believe caused <laughs> yeah. me to tweet that kcp hallucinates that he's lebron thing yeah uh, which is one of my tweets that i'm proudest of by the way but like it was uh I mean, yeah, like he's a little bit trick or treat, you know, speaking of the holiday that we just passed over. And like, you know, sometimes you get that extra bonus little treat that you don't expect from KCP. And, you know, sometimes you get a trick, but those are funny, too, because we can all make jokes about them. (laughs) Is there is there a KCP moment that you can pinpoint? The other thing, too, that I we we, before we even move on to that, uh, the other thing that we need to point out here is how durable he's been. I think he's missed one game. For the Lakers or something? Yeah, so something it's something crazy. insane like that. It's almost nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he plays hard. He gets out and plays pretty, uh, not physically, but he's up in guards, jerseys, playing defense on the perimeter. He does, like you noted earlier, like to run out and transition and, and try to finish at the rim. Uh, he, he is, you know, he dives for balls. He, he does a lot of the small things that for some reason – Black players don't usually get credit for, but he does a lot of those small things that can sometimes lead to uh, lead to missing games, and he has it. So yeah, he played he played seventy four games his first season in L A. But part of that was uh, the house, house arrest, arrest situation, mm-hmm. and or not house arrest, games. but yeah, he had to miss some road games. And then uh, he played eighty two last season, and then the, this current season that we just finished, he played sixty nine games which I'm not sure how many they ended up playing or if that's all of them, but it, it's got to be close. Yeah. And, and you know, it, that again, when you're talking about role players, their ab- availability is huge. That's, that's one of the most important abilities is availability. And he's been there, you know, basically since uh, he arrived in LA and, and, and was, was huge when, when he was there, but do you have a, a favorite KCP moment from last year? 
uh, from from this past season, I do have one. Um, okay. It's not as good as my all time favorite KCP memory, but from this past season, it was it, like it's not even an on the court moment. It's like I think it was at halftime or it was between a quarter break at some point. Ric Flair was at this Lakers game and <laughs> like just randomly they get him on the jumbotron and he's screaming woo. And then it's not even a planned thing, but in the background, KCP is doing the exact same thing, making the same poses, mirroring him, like just screaming. <laughs> And yeah. I was like, this, like it was. He was the last guy that I would have expected to be like a huge wrestling fan or something. But he is apparently like very animated behind the scenes. Like I heard, I remember a uh, number of years ago, I was at, uh, like I was still at Cal State Fullerton, and they, they were playing in Georgia, which is where KCP went, was playing in the Wooden Legacy tournament, which happens mm-hmm. at Cal State or used to happen at Cal State Fullerton every year. I think now it's moved, but um, KCP was there, and apparently, gave, like I heard from one of my friends that works for the team. Team that uh like the KCP gave them like this like raucous pump up speech at halftime and they ended up winning and I was like wait a sec like KCP are you sure like you did? And he's like no yeah he was yelling like all this stuff I'm like okay um, yeah. but my my all-time favorite KCP memory was I believe it was his first season in LA and he tried to throw a lob to someone and I don't remember who it was but it hit the top of the backboard and got stuck up there between the shot clock <laughs> and the backboard and yeah, it was just it was an almost incredible like a wedgie like it was just yeah. it just stuck <laughs> it was an incredible moment of what in the hell were you thinking theater and you know it it like really like all of those things I think truly summarize the KCP experience other than that I didn't include a good play and I apologize for that the uh well i mean the the i think objectively the best play that he made was that drive to the basket that kind of gave the lakers uh you, they, they the momentum wasn't in their favor and and he kind of cracked open miami's defense cuz they were sagging off of of the role players so much and begging him and begging basically all the lakers like please finish at the rim and and he finally did and that opened up the uh, the Lakers' offense in game. Was it game six? Might have no. It wasn't game six because they they blew. I think it was game five. Probably uh, game five sounds right. Yeah, and so that that's like the 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 best KCP play. But game I mean, six, he apparently screamed at Duncan Robinson for like <laughs> for like basically nothing. And so you know, like just truly an amazing KCP championship run. Yeah, and and well, we didn't even mention his burner account, right? Like that was the- well, may- his maybe burner account that I don't think is actually him, but I kind of want to believe is him because it's so funny. <laughs> it's head cannon for sure. It's yeah, it's, like it's it's gonna be up there forever. The 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 burner made such a it was such a you know pleasant afternoon on Twitter and and heading into the evening on Twitter, it was just great and and. Like the and then the, whoever that person was just continued tweeting like they were yeah. KCP running a burner account. <laughs> so they tweet like KCP got a good game coming up next like uh coming up tomorrow night. Just wait, he's gonna bounce back. And it's like yeah. I almost want like I think I feel like it's someone that knows KCP, but yeah. I don't think it's actually him. Yeah, what's it like at T A N like it's at Tan something one two something whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was just an incredible day on Twitter. It was just an incredible season for KCP. Do you have any predictions on 
as far as like if he is brought back, what number he he maybe gets, what number you're comfortable paying him. I mean that that's the last thing that we got to talk about is like how hard should the Lakers pursue him? And I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the show or the beginning of the segment. Um, like I think he's worth more to them than he is to any other team, which kind of like you know that creates a potential like grounds for a negotiation or some kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, like protracted negotiation, like we have seen with clutch clients in the past. Like, so the Lakers, they have his full bird rights at this point. So they can pay, like they can pay as much as any team. They could theoretically max KCP. Like they, I don't Mm -hmm. imagine that is what they're going to do, but they could. Let's go to to at TAN with a bunch of numbers and think what his his contract should be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what it means. It's like, that's the, that's the annual offer that he wants. Um, But if they go past, a certain point and again all these numbers are fluid because we don't know where the cap is going to be we don't know where the tax line is going to be like we don't know any of that stuff but basically if the lakers exceed a certain amount with his contract then they only have access to the smaller taxpayer mid-level exception versus the larger non-taxpayer mid-level exception so that Mm -hmm. is something to kind of keep in mind as like a barometer for where negotiations are going to end up and where the lakers are going to try and stick so they still have that larger mle to offer to other candidates or something like that and brian windhorse spoke to our own jazz kang like those of you that listen to the podcast feed no jazz um and he was talking about, you know, he he was talking about KCP and what he's going to get paid this summer. And look, I'm going to channel my uh, my inner Brian and say, like, don't aggregate this. Look, like this is secondhand him saying it in a Q&A and he was not necessarily reporting. But mm-hmm. he was talking about, you know, and, like and he is someone who like he knows LeBron. He knows like how clutch works. He fought. He covered them in Cleveland. He's mm-hmm. covered that. Like, you know, he, he knows Rich Paul. This is someone who presumably knows very well how Rich Paul negotiates and how like clutch as itself negotiates with teams. And so he mentioned like the long drawn out negotiations with Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith and like this is this was his quote that he uh, you know that he told Jazz he said if I'm Rich Paul I'm saying KCP is better than Danny Green you pay Danny Green 15 million I will accept 15.1 million and let's do a three-year deal if your retort to that is there's nobody out there who is going to pay Contavious Caldwell 15 million a year I would agree with you especially in this market but I can see Rich Paul saying yeah he is worth 15 million to you Mm-hmm. And that's the part where it's like, okay, are the, do the Lakers really want to pay KCP $15 million when it seems unlikely he will get that on the open market? Like, I don't know. And then does that create some leverage for them in the negotiation if he's not getting offered that? Does that create some type of like, you know, as we saw with J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson, where it can drag out for a long time and you're trying to fill out your roster, but you can't because you're trying to figure out how much you're going to pay this guy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, you know, it does create... A potentially interesting uh dilemma for them going into free agency how well he played which is it's a good problem to have but it's still kind of a problem yeah i don't know what his market would even look like i did locked on hawks the other i think last week that's the team that everybody keeps linking to him yeah and and i you know i think that's the team that clutch will probably use his leverage but i don't think casey well they got trey there too that's the other thing is you got to pay attention to like they're you know like they have their they have their feelers in there and a star too yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a situation that like you don't go from a championship to that I, unless it's like a significant bump in what yeah, the Lakers they'd have are to really to pay, pay KCP. To, you would think. Yeah, and why would the Hawks overpay KCP? 
well, they really want to be competitive. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing, Anthony. You think you're competitive? You, you, you can't account for stupid management. You know what I mean? You, like, you, you, you can think sit you here can and be say, competitive why would- and overpay KCP? Do you think those things are not mutually exclusive? No, I don't, because I think that they have like a, you know, they have a solid young core that they think I'm, I'm trying to get into the mind of if I am the Hawks GM, who I actually don't remember who that is. I think it's Travis Schlank, right? Maybe. Is that who's running the team? That sounds right to me. I don't remember. But if I'm the Hawks GM, like it's Trey look, Young's dad, <laughs> it's Trey Young, actually. He has right. two jobs. That's how yeah. they, uh, that's how they afforded the, you know, give him like the it's big KCP's burner. If they're going to pay him $17 million a year, Casey, whoever runs that burner account is running the Hawks. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I think if I'm the Hawks and like, I'm like, okay, I want to take this young core, get them up a level. I'm going to go after this championship level shooting guard. We can afford to overpay because all of our young guys are on cheap contracts right now. And we can, we know we're going to have to outbid to get him to leave a championship contender. And that is the type of thing that creates those types of bidding wars, especially when you factor in the fact that yes, their best player is a clutch client. And like, that is going to be a thing where, you know, you don't think that they want to make Rich Paul happy when they're going to have Trey Young's free agency coming up in a couple years like I'm not saying that that's the only reason they signed KCP or something like that but these things are factors and it all cascades together like I could see a team like that like them specifically really trying to pay him yeah I the the, the, I've I've done if it's not them I don't know who it is I've done a significant amount of thinking about this given the fact it's KCP that I'm thinking about and the thing I keep coming back coming back to is that the Lakers tend to treat their champions really, really well. Unless and they're Trevor Ariza. Wasn't that an agent <laughs> issue? That was a, that was an agent issue. Right? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a little bit of an agent. I think they just wanted more money. And so they took an FU deal from Houston. Right. But they he basically signed for the same money that they were offering with Houston, just because he felt like he was, he should be worth more to them. I think he fired his agent shortly thereafter. I, I if I remember correctly, that is correct. Yeah. So the, the, the thing here with KCP is I, I, I think not only is it a champion that I think the Lakers are going to want to treat well because he helped them, was probably their third best player in that bubble run. Uh, not only is, is, is that going on, but he's also a clutch client and he helped lay the groundwork for their ability to tamper with LeBron James. So I think, you know, obviously they overpaid for did. He was the one guy. He came in right. and laid the groundwork. Like it was it was signing him. They knew what they were doing. Right. And so you go from you go from you you add all of this stuff all together and and I, I just can't see them not bringing him back. I just I I can't I, I it's not something I can even conceive. I'm with you. I have a hard time seeing it unless he just gets a massive, massive offer to go somewhere else. Like that is just more than they would reasonably want to pay him. Well, but that, that's the thing. It's like, you can't, the, the thing that people always are like, oh, KCP, he's not worth 15 million. It's like, it's not about the number because they can't j- then just turn around and take that 15 million and offer it to someone else. They can mm-hmm. only pay him that because they can go over the cap, right. you know, to offer him a contract because they have his bird rights. So it's like, would you rather have KCP or like the bargain bin free agent that they're going to have to try and replace him with combined with like Avery Bradley and more Caruso minutes and, you know, whatever stop gaps that they'll go that way. Yeah. But like that, that's what it comes down to. It's not, is K- is it KCP or another $15 million or however many million dollar free agent is it's like this guy or someone worth a lot less that you're getting off the scrap heap plus like other, you know, ways to address it. Right. 
Yeah, and and that's why I'm saying I just I just don't see them. I just don't and see it's hard them to get into that. specific numbers right now because we still don't know about the cap. So, like, that's the thing that makes this conversation even more difficult because we don't yeah. know exactly where his money – like, where is the money level that puts them between the taxpayer MLE and, you know, the smaller – non or the bigger non – uh, non-taxpayer MLE. Like, yeah. that, we don't know where that apron is right now and, like, where that line is. So it makes this conversation tougher to have. But conceptually, like, that is what they're running up against. It, it Like, you know, as numbers and as potential walls. Yeah, I just, I guess I don't even need to get to specific numbers. I just can't see the Lakers not bringing him back. Like, it's not, it's not something that I can, I, you know, it, it, it's just he meant too much for them over the course of this postseason run. He's obviously super close with LeBron because of the the Klutz agency thing. So LeBron's pulling for him to be to be brought back. And and again, you can't exaggerate the importance that that KCP brought in their ability to eventually sign LeBron James too. So you add all of this up, and I just if I would be legitimately shocked if he if he was on a different team next year. I'm with you. If I had to pick, I would say that he's back. I'm just, I'm trying to out, lay out the mm-hmm. scenario where he would leave. But, you know, honestly, like that is, look, I'm not like trying to sit here and like, you know, judge Laker fans or whatever. But like, there is like, if he was going to leave, I hope that he does it. And like at the press conference, he's like at Lake show, yo, this is your fault or something like that. <laughs> or like, he's like, he's like everybody who tweeted that, that meme of like man wanted for robbing Lakers. This is your fault. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's the funniest scenario Boo me now like, yeah exactly yeah i, I boo that and just <laughs> drops the mic yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes though uh yes. i think that's that's the most we've ever talked about kcp honestly that is probably the longest conversation i've ever had about kcp in my life yeah so so i think it's it's a good place to stop now that we the, have set that record kcp podcast on yeah the now, now that we have set that record and it's a i think it's an unbreakable record this is joe dimaggio's streak the hitting streak this is this is gonna go that down was, in history is the longest that was like KCP. over 20 minutes of kcp talk so like zane you know i, I hope you were happy if you made it this far <laughs> even if you were like screaming at me about kcp potentially leaving or saying don't max him or you know mm-hmm. whatever like everything else that i said that wasn't just max kcp he's the goat mm-hmm. uh that is gonna do it though for this episode of the silver screen and roll podcast look this is gonna be we're, we're releasing this i would imagine tonight right and then yes so this may be the last thing that you listen to before you go and vote tomorrow or please if you're in vote Yes, please vote. vote. Let your vote. voice be heard. And don't and... be like Anthony. Actually, vote. I did vote. What are you talking about? I don't know. I just wanted to see if I could bait you into admitting you didn't vote or something like that. I gotta say, the lady who checked me in to vote was not thrilled that I had a California ID. <laughs> She's like, "This is who they warned us about." Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to steal the election. Whole bunch of uh, you lost, boy. Like it was. Somebody Wait, did pers- they really say that to you? No, no, no. Oh, my God. Somebody sitting there, like, in a rocking chair holding a shotgun for some yeah, reason. Just it was- watching you vote. Just seeing <laughs> you, like, if you, like, tried to vote again on a yeah. second time. The guy, like, showed me how to use the machine, and then he didn't move. I was like, I, yeah, I, I think I got there this. breathing down your neck. And I move. haven't figured out. <laughs> yeah. I'm right here. But seriously, go and vote. That is a lot more important than, you know, what happens in this election is a lot more important than what, you know, deal KCP gets. And so if you haven't done, if you have done it, thank you. Good job. If you haven't done it, please go do that. Or I hope you're in line to go do it right now. It's really important. And uh, yeah, just make sure that you get out there and vote. 
Absolutely. Do so safely, and uh, and we will talk to you. Uh, somebody's going to have a show tomorrow. <laughs>